Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal women. And those of you who love them, yes, you mothers, daughters, grand and great-grandmothers, fearsome and generous, humble and honest, in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. You know, here we dig deep, but we come up strong. For those of you joining us for the first time, each month we explore a new theme inspired by you. Yes, I said you. We bravely walk into places where tradition has taught us there's some things we just don't talk about but not at this table. And now, no matter how hard judgment knocks, it can't come in. Beloved, here we live beyond the wreckage. Every week we experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other. We share aha moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for too long. Every week we start right where we are. I am so excited about how the show is progressing. We are in our 10th month. Let me say it again, 10th month. That's proof that dreams can come true. All of you know, frankly speaking, was one of my most precious dreams. I thank God for every remembrance of you and your gifts of ideas, your presence, and your encouragement. Y'all know I couldn't do this without you, right? I thank you so much. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we are webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org every Saturday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, if you missed us, if you had a date, if you went out to dinner, no worries. You can catch us on YouTube. Our podcast is Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, y'all know how much I like that. It's easy. It is Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you, Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our Frankly Speaking theme song. And for naming it, I'm Listening. Our theme these two months, May and June, is Courageous Conversations. Now, that's big. Big words, big ideas, and sometimes uncomfortable. For us to get a return on our investment these two months, we're going to have to invest something of ourselves. We're going to have to be authentic and vulnerable. We're going to have to be our perfectly imperfect selves and to receive in love information about issues that may be uncomfortable to think about, to deal with, to anticipate, and to forgive. We're going to contemplate, evaluate, learn about, and be surprised, and we're going to celebrate. I received great feedback so far this month. We started out with a courageous conversation with Miss Sunny Crow, who was a double breast cancer survivor. We moved on to Sylvia Washington-Jones, who talked about the courage and the blessing of taking care of a senior with a developmental uh, uh, disorder. And today, we're going to walk into another space. And it's not going to be comfortable. So I'm going to have to ask you to understand and to walk with us and to help us. 
we discovered one thing in the past shows, that the ability to have a courageous conversation is a process. There are times when you know there are things you need to talk about, you should talk about, but you don't. It is a journey. It is not an event. It does not happen when it logically should. And sometimes we have to grow into it. And sometimes courageous conversations happen in our heads and in our hearts, and they stay there. We all have times or seasons when it requires courage to make it just from one moment to the next, to take one step to the next, to say the next words. And sometimes we let fear and shame and guilt demonize our our potential to overcome. But for now, for today, we're going to pause in a place where we can be mirrors for one another. Our goal is to better understand topics that don't usually come up as polite conversations or at the dinner table. We're going to look beyond and behind terms like human trafficking, domestic violence, child abuse, opioid opioid poisoning, homelessness, and more. To create our common thought space for today and to introduce our topic, I'm sharing a published, published courageous conversation titled, What Parents Need to Know About Human Trafficking. Now, this is hard to listen to, but I want you to hang in there with me, and I'm going to quote, Danielle Douglas was 17 years old, a freshman at Northeastern University when she met the trafficker who forced her into two years of sex slavery. Her mother, Jamie, spoke with us about the factors that made her daughter vulnerable and what parents need to know about trafficking in the United States. The interviewer asked, describe your relationship with Danielle at the time she went off to college. Jamie Chesman, mother, we definitely had some mother-daughter angst. She didn't always give me a lot of information about her life or her interest. I think a lot about a lot of our daughters. They feel like they're ready before they're ready. Well, she definitely felt that way. We dropped her off carloads full of things from bed, bath, and beyond, bedspreads, and books. I think she was ready to test herself and see what was going to happen. Life was never the same after that. It didn't take a long time for the streets to swallow her. Whether it was just that she was vulnerable or looked very young, I think she looked like a person that somebody could get over on easily, and she was tricked. How did the deception occur? Chessman, someone made an introduction. She was invited to a party. And when she went, nobody was there. Only this one guy answered the door. He said, she must be confused or it's a a different day. But hey, I'm about to go out for dinner. Why don't you come and join me? He made it seem really innocent off the cuff and she went. The next day or two, there was a lot of attention. Would you like to go there or have you tried this or that before? Just a nice guy being thoughtful and nice. Well, what kind of person was he? Chessman, well, what I know is he was a lot older, maybe 20 years, that he came across as being sincere and nice. And what could be bad? Not threatening, not frightening, no yelling and screaming, just interest and curiosity and conversation. And she went with it. And how long did it take your daughter until she basically disappeared? Chessman, she started college in September and was out of touch in December, January. 
What was she doing? Working 18 hours a day. Sometimes she was on the street, waiting for someone to show up on the corner. Other times she was on call for various escort service companies, and she would go to places she was told. But what kept her there? How did he keep a hold on her? Chessman, well, the fear of violence, the fear of being killed. Ah, if she got out of line, she would be slapped across the face and thrown across the room. People think, well, why not just leave, walk out the door and go? But the fear that a pimp puts in a traffic, trafficked kid is unbelievable. Danielle was sure he would come after and kill her. Tell me about the process of recovery. Chessman, surviving the sex trade does not happen quickly. It takes patience of your family. It's traumatic. It's sad. It's a heartbreak. Finding a way to survive, and in my daughter's case, to survive and tell, has been a long, hard process. It comes in baby steps. It took four or five years for her to really begin to emerge again as the person she had been as a child, to believe in herself and even consider talking about it out loud. For me, there's a deep sadness that really won't ever stop. To see your baby live through this, to know that this happened, and I couldn't make it go away. What would you tell other parents about trafficking? Chessman, that it can happen to kids with good upbringing, with nothing bad going on in the household. That it can happen in suburbia, to your kids too. Are there warning signs? Chessman, yes. Your child isn't talking to you or your child is angry at you, but those are some of the same signs that adolescents have anyway. Chessman, I'm not an expert. I don't want to throw out a list you might find in a psychology book. But looking back, there was a sense of tension that I wasn't able to bridge. I couldn't bridge the gap to convince my own child that she had my full attention and love all the time. Why did you and your, your daughter decide to speak out? Chessman, for her, it's, I'm sure, a way to heal. For me, it's a way to stand proudly behind her and let other people know that I'm not ashamed of her, that this happened and she was victimized, and it isn't her fault. I am so proud of her for what she's doing now. After the break, we're going to meet a woman a mother who came to give us today the gift of her vulnerability, her truth, her journey into human trafficking and back. We're going to set the table today with compassion and love. You'll want to stay close now. This is Radio Fairfax, free-form programming. Created by the people, for the people of Fairfax County, Virginia. Call us or email us, 703-560-TALK or radiofairfax at fcac.org. This is Ted Little inviting you to be with me this Monday at noon for Jukebox Noon Tunes. I'll play music from the 50s through today as varied as Elvis and the Bare Naked Ladies. Highlights include news with a humorous twist, movies you may have missed, and a preview of your favorite Monday night TV programs. 
I want you to be with me Mondays at noon on Jukebox Noon Tunes. Hello, my name is Sharon Murray. I'm your host on Heartbeat, Thursdays at 12 noon. It's an inspirational program filled with messages of hope and love and a variety of heartwarming, inspirational music. You can succeed as long as success is in every beat of your heart. And I look forward to you joining me on Heartbeat, Thursdays at 12 noon on Radio Fairfax. An important message from Medicare. When my son first told me about extra help from Medicare, I said, thanks, but no thanks. I didn't want any help paying for my prescriptions. I told him, I don't have much money coming in, but I still have my pride. Besides, I, I looked into it a couple years ago. I figured if I didn't qualify then, I wouldn't qualify now either. My, oh my, am I ever glad my son didn't give up on me. He reminded me that I was on a limited income and that it was easier than ever for people like me to qualify. So I called and he was right. Now I pay just a few dollars for generics and a few dollars more for brand name prescriptions. With extra help, I can afford the prescriptions I need. Thanks, Medicare. Get the extra help you need to stay healthy. Visit socialsecurity.gov or call 1-800-772-1213. And we are back. Okay, let's... Uh Wrap ourselves in compassion, and I'd like, in, like to introduce you to Miss Susan Young. Susan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Tyra. Um, help my listening audience know who you are, um, how you got to be who you are as a mom, a wife, and uh, whatever else you'd like for us to know. Okay, Tyra, um, about 20 years ago, I met uh, my husband, he uh, quickly became my best friend and confident throughout life. Uh, we decided we wanted to share our life together and grow together and raise our family here in the Northern Virginia area. We have four amazing children, um, two girls, two boys, who are the light of my life and who I did devote myself entirely to. Um, but while I'm not doing that, I'm also working as a full-time director of HR for a the uh, local tech company here in Northern Virginia. So I keep busy as well as being a mother, um, but being a mother is my first pride and joy. Um, I think you told me that there may be someone else to love too that's real little and real young. Absolutely, we just became grandparents yes. for the first time. Yes. To our beautiful granddaughter who I adore and is the apple of my eye and I'm enjoying every second of it. Oh, there. <laughs> Yeah, motherhood can be a heavy load to carry, but oh my gosh, the yes. blessings are amazing. I'm finding there's nothing like being a grandparent. You can love and spoil and, you know, hand back, but also <laughs> still get the love and, and joy from it as well. I'm looking at Susan's smile, but if truth be known, there was a season when smiles were hard to come by yes. in her family. And, uh, She's going to talk a little bit about that with us today. Um, Susan had a daughter who fell into the world that we're talking about, that of human trafficking. Why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about Jessica first? Okay. Um, to, to paint a little picture about Jessica, 
She is a, a beautiful, bright young lady. Um, at the time that our situation took place, she was about to enter her freshman year of high school. Um, very um, artistic, intelligent, outgoing. Um, she'll just run up and give you a hug. She is the most lovable girl on the, pl on the planet, and she will do anything for anyone. She is filled with compassion and joy and love for, for everyone she meets. Absolutely. And uh, how, did, how did this beautiful, wonderful Jessica walk into a space that was so dark? I think to better understand the story, um, you'd have to know a little bit about our family. We are your typical family next door. Okay, um, we great. We have four children. We both work, went to school, college. Um, and we really just wanted to raise our family, have a good upbringing, um, you know, focus around their education. We were sports. Uh, they, all of our children were involved in sports. So we really were your all-American average family, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, one summer afternoon, our daughter went to a local movie theater with a group of friends to celebrate the last few days of summer vacation while they were about to embark on a new journey that was high school right. that they were very much excited about. While there, they met a, uh, my daughter met a young boy. Mm -hmm. He was similar in age and grade, well-mannered, polite individual, um, seemed well-intentioned. So my daughter, they exchanged cell phone information. And at that time, Facebook was what was important. They exchanged Facebook information. Um, and they soon began an online friendship Okay. Um, that would later turn into an online relationship. Um, and as a parent, I thought, how, what was the harm in this? It was online. Mm -hmm. I didn't see the dangers of, uh, you know, uh, they weren't seeing each other physically after school or anything. It was just uh, an online friendship. So I didn't uh, see the warning signs and the danger in that. Um, I think... Uh, what you said bears underscoring in that what we know now mm -hmm. about online absolutely predators the dark side absolutely uh, yeah we were all excited initially hey they're home mm -hmm. and they're just sitting there with their phones and yep. blah 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 and then we learned about a whole bunch of other stuff yes. that was going on and apparently that flipped for Jessica it did, and you know, my my husband and I were very proactive with the situation. Um, we we had online accounts, passwords. Mm -hmm. We would check text messages. In, in our eyes, we were doing everything to protect and ensure her safety from online predators. Right. Um, unfortunately, this predator came as a friend, mm. and instead of the innocent young boy he pretended to be, he in fact was an MS-13 gang member who was sent to lure and recruit young girls into the dark world of human trafficking. Mm. Um, okay, you're a parent, and you're really not aware of how the seduction is occurring, but from your lens now, what mm -hmm. did you see? Uh, okay, the movies, mm -hmm. the this, the that. Did you ever meet him? We did not meet him initially until um, a few months later. Okay. Um, we noticed uh, some changes in our daughter. We were always a very close, mm -hmm. tight family, um, and she started to pull away. Um, and she almost started to resent us, it, it felt like. Mm -hmm. um, she would get angry. She would start to lash out at her brothers. 
Um, and her and I, we had always had a very close, almost like best friend, mm-hmm. mother-daughter relationship. And I sensed a lot of tension and angst in there. And she started to pull away from our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I, we could not figure out why. Um, and that was because the gang was brainwashing her ah. um, and telling her, your family doesn't want you, your family doesn't love you. Um, and, and just really putting these deep, dark thoughts into her, her, her mind about her family. Um, and she really started to believe them, unfortunately. And I, I'm thinking to myself, um, they were trying to displace your family with their family. Absolutely. MS-13 family. Yes. And uh, they're good at this. Yes, they are. They are well-trained at how this happens. Yes. Um, some of them go to school. Mm-hmm. To learn how to psychologically seduce younger women. Mm -hmm. And at 15, our kids are impressionable. Absolutely. You know, and I can imagine at some point she was confused. She was. Uh, And I I can imagine that was hard for you as my. I'm remembering. I can get to 15, right? Yes. And they they played on her insecurities as a young woman, Uh um, you know, which I I believe all young girls deal with at some point in their life. You know, am I I too heavy? Am I too skinny? Am I pretty enough? Um, And they really played on her insecurities. And they really played on um, our family dynamic. You know, you're not wanted. You're not loved. Um, you know, how could your parents ever want or love someone like you? Mm. And, you know, even today, I, I wonder how she was able to, to believe that. Because um, our, our home was always filled with so much love and so much acceptance. And she had, she had friends. She, she had did. cohorts before mm-hmm. this happened. Yes. And so she was getting validation. Mm-hmm. As yes, I'm good. Yes, I'm worthy, et cetera. But somehow there is something yes. that they can find that yes. they can twist and open and make bigger and pour themselves into. Absolutely. Oh my God. So so okay, you and your husband, what are you doing? What kind of conversations are you having at night or during the day about Jessica's behavior? Uh, we're pulling our hair out, trying to figure out, um, you know, how to fix the resolve the situation. We discussed everything from therapy to military school Mm -hmm. to um, just whatever we could do to really reach her that, yes, we do love her. Yes, we do accept her. Um, But she was not opening up and and really discussing. And, And we could feel inside that there was something wrong that she wanted to open up, but she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And we later learned that that was from the fear that they were putting inside of her. Uh, but I do believe a part of her really did just wanted to open up and explain to us what was going on, but purely out of fear, she and did you not. you know, as I'm listening to you, she may not have been able to have the language. This is very true. To describe what was happening to her. Yes. Because, you know, you've got like a bunch of hormones that you're wearing mm-hmm. every day. Yep. And I'm remembering how confused I got mm-hmm. in the midst of all that love. Of course, my parents were threatening to take me out of there. And there was no Facebook. And mm-hmm. they, you know, could keep their finger mm-hmm. on me. But I'm just, uh, wow. But, and there was really one incident that kind of sealed her into a dark place. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And then that's the point where she lost her voice. And what had happened is they had taken her to a secluded part of school. 
one day. Um, it was off. It was on the back of school property, uh-huh. um, and there was five individuals, uh, gang individuals, and uh, and they had assaulted her one by one, and videotaped. Oh no! And they had told her, if you um, expose us and for what the situation is, we will release this video to the school, mm-hmm. on the internet, to your family, and your never your family would never want someone as shameful as you and so and she'll tell you a part of her died that day oh I can imagine because mm-hmm. that is lose-lose mm-hmm. no matter what she does yep. her dignity yes is gone and she'll tell you that that opened the door for shame and self-hate and I think uh, like guilt mm-hmm. is something we can work with it can even be a motivator but shame is when you become the thing that you think is bad yes so that behavior was bad. So Jessica says, I'm bad. Yes. Okay. And I can't fix my bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow, shame and vulnerability walk hand in hand. And then she was primed to be manipulated. Yes. Okay. Yes. So so what happened? Uh, um, shortly after that, um, she wanted to dull the pain of what she had experienced. So they had introduced her to drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, what she uh, half of the time took willingly, mm-hmm. uh, the other half uh, it was forced upon her. Um, but part of it is she wanted to dull the memory of what had happened that day. Um, and then shortly after that it happened after school, mm-hmm. she had reached out to her local ca- or her counselor at school and uh, the resource officer at school for help. Mm-hmm. Um, no one came to her rescue. No one answered, um, said, how are you, what's going on, can we help you? No one came to her aid, um, and she figured, you know, if if they wouldn't, then why would her parents? And what we don't know is the level of pressure Mm -hmm. MS-13 has even through the school system. Absolutely. And uh, that's a sad reality. Yes. A very sad, so now she's totally isolated. Yes. Okay, so it's probably easier to move her to... Well, the trafficking uh, shortly after that happened took place after school. Oh, she wow. would be okay. taken to uh, local houses mm-hmm. uh, around the school district, uh-huh. um, and the trafficking would take place after school. Um, and then she would come home and sleep in her bed at night. Did she look different? She did look different. She looked... Um, she was losing weight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you could tell um, that she was changing on the inside and that she was hurting and in pain. Again, you know, I, I would try every day to get her to open up to us, um, and she just remained silent. Um, and we later learned that that was because um, our house was being monitored and watched oh, by the gang, mm-hmm. our, our comings and goings. Um, they knew where we would go to sh- the store, how long we would typically be gone. Mm-hmm. We were followed. Um, what about the, the rest of the children, They their safety? They were involved as well. They, um, if my husband and I would, you know, run a quick errand, they hmm. were soon at the knocking on the back door, um, beg, you know, ordering the children to let them in. Um, they would threaten our two young boys at gunpoint and say, if you say anything about this, you know, we're going to come and shoot your family. We're going to take your little sister, um, and then you'll have no one. 
So they were they were threatened and abused as well. Oh, absolutely. In such a tender age, the psychological abuse, the fear. Yes. Okay, so the two boys were how old at this point? The two boys were 12 and 11. And yeah. our, our youngest daughter was three at the time. And she was experiencing this? She was experiencing this, yes. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yes, she was... Um, a few times they would uh, lock her in a trash bag. What? Yes. They would lock her in a trash bag until she was tired and couldn't cry anymore. And she would just pass out from exhaustion and go to her crib. Mm -hmm. um, so, yes, they, they all suffered uh, great trauma at the hands of the gang. And the, the babies were so afraid, they gave you no indication. I, what I guess I'm looking for is there had to be some change in manifestation in the younger ones as well. We could sense, um, we thought the anger was more from their sister was reacting to okay. the family. So okay. we, we thought um, that their anger and their frustration was really um, more from what was happening to their sister and how she was lashing out at them. Okay. Um, our only indication um, that we had that something terribly was wrong was that our three-year-old little daughter would point to her window and say that the bad man was going to come and get her. Um, you know, being three, we, we didn't understand what she meant, and not having not seen a bad man at the window, mm -hmm. we just, you know, chalked that up to it, her being three. Did she have nightmares? She did have nightmares. Um, she, at that time, started to sleep with us. Mm -hmm. um, she okay. is currently nine, almost ten years old now, and she still, in fact, sleeps with us. Bless her heart. Yes. And you all are dealing with that professionally as yes. well yes. Yes. yes yes so what I'm hearing and what maybe is not being said is the entire family yes our our two youngest boys were so traumatized um, by the gang and the gang members and what they had done to our family that we in fact did not learn the scope of what had happened to our young boys until a year after our daughter had uh, gotten professional help. We had no idea. That even for a year after the situation ended, mm -hmm. our boys still would not speak out about what had happened. So in terms of schoolwork, what happened with the boys and with Jessica? Um, everybody went to school as normal. Wow. Um, no grades suffered. Um, nothing out of the ordinary happened Sports? There. How about sports? Everyone still sports played sports, normal activities. We went to church every week. Um, family, aside from our daughter kind of being angry and lashing out at everyone, um, there was no other change in the family. And I think, uh, well, from my faith perspective, uh, they were stronger than we can ever imagine Absolutely. because they were able to compartmentalize Absolutely. the fear and go forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just have to believe that they were uh, protected Absolutely. Uh, by God's grace. Yes. And um, it, when I just think of it, I, I think of, of children as in so many ways powerless. Yes. And uh, so they did. They did a great job they did a in a job. horrible situation. Yes. So, um, okay, so now Jessica is still after school doing what Jessica's doing, coming home, sleeping in her bed. 
Did that change? Did that? Um, that did. That changed um, one February, early one February morning. Mm -hmm. I had received a call about 3.30 in the morning from the boy she had befriended at the movie theater. Okay. Now, you had met him by now. I had met him one time. Okay. Yes. Okay. And he said, Mrs. Young, Mrs. Young, Mrs. Young, you have to help Jessica. And I said, well, what do you mean? I said, Jessica's fine. She's, she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, no, she's, she's at a party. She's drunk and she, she's high and she needs you to find her. Oh. And I said, what are you, what are you talking about? And I ran upstairs. I looked in her bed and she was not there. Okay, let's freeze that moment. What happened to you when, that ha when you walked into that room? My, my heart sank deep into my chest, mm -hmm. and I, I immediately picked up the phone, and I said, where is she? Mm -hmm. And he said, I, I don't know, which I don't believe at all. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, I need to know how to find her. I need you to tell me where she is. And he said, I, I don't know where she is. She just called me and said that she needed help. Hmm. So I jump into action. I start calling her cell phone. I start trying to locate her cell phone. Um, I'm doing everything possible to, to try to find her. They've turned off location. They've turned off her cell phone. Um, and then I start, he started to giving me some numbers to call and uh, of people that, that she was supposedly with. Um, and I and no one responded at all. So immediately after that, I called the police and enlisted their help. And uh, how was that? What kind of response did you get? Um, the police came to our house. Uh, let, me, let me back. Let me interrupt you. Okay. Uh, your husband knows by now. Yes. Okay. So um, I happen to be, even in my being at the end of the toilet paper roll, I'm still daddy's little girl. Yes. So what's your husband going through now? Uh he at the moment is just trying to keep everything together for me. Okay. He's, he's trying to stay strong Don't. for okay. me. Okay. And um, and he's he's slowly falling apart on the inside, but mm -hmm. he knows he needs to remain strong for me okay. in order to get me through. All right. Um, we called the police, and they quickly knew who she was with, um, and they knew a slew about the the situation. That, that I did. Um, they knew what had been happening. They knew, uh, they did not know where she was, but they knew who she was with. Um, and they knew that they were also known human traffickers in our area. So now, what I'm hearing you say is you're getting information from the police that is explaining a, a slew of behavioral change and responses in your family. This is the first time you're hearing. Yes. Oh, my gosh, your reality. Yes. Okay, so, all right, how are you keeping it together? Um, you know, I, I look at my two young boys, and I see the fear in their eyes. Mm-hmm. And I, I see uh, them just trying to work through the motions of the situation. And, and I knew that um, I kind of went into mom overdrive, and I had to keep it together. And, okay. But I knew more importantly that I needed to find my daughter. And I knew it was going to be up to me mm -hmm. to find her. And sometimes our mind clicks off our emotion and we go into problem-solving mode. Yes. And I, and I know Jessica to the point I, I, we're a part of each other. And I, I knew in that moment that she needed me to find her. And how did that process play out? 
She was missing at this time for four days. Um, Mm -hmm. In the first night, complete night that she was missing, I laid on her bed and I held her picture and I couldn't sleep. I would just go in and out of hyperventilating because I I knew deep down what was happening to her. Mm -hmm. And I told myself, I'm not going to sleep because I know what she's going to have to endure tonight. And and I just had to, to stay up so that if, if there was a chance she came back to her to her window or if I got a phone call or if something came that I needed to be there to mm-hmm. help her. Um, in the days to come, I had gotten a tip from a friend mm-hmm. uh, where her location was. Oh, okay. And so, so it's public knowledge now uh, within your group or is it public via media? It was, uh, we had broadcasted it throughout uh, Channel 7. Okay. Um, the school had known, her friends had known that we were looking for her, that she was endangered. Um, one of her close friends had contacted us, and uh, she was actually under the impression that we didn't care that Jessica was missing. Oh. Um, and I said, no. I said, I love my daughter very much, and I want her home, and if you have any information, you know, please, please tell me. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, gave the information anonymously. She didn't want anything to be tied back to her. Right. Um, she gave me the address. I drove to the address, and I called the police, and I said, this is where Jessica is. Mm-hmm. Um, you can come get her, or I will. So are you outside of a house? Yes. Okay. Help us walk into your mind at that. Now, you're close. Your yes. daughter is right there. Yes. And you are right here. Yes. And my tendency with my person I'm supposed to protect is to go into kill mode. Yes. <laughs> Give yes. me my baby. Yes. You have no idea who I am. Tawanda, the crazy woman, is about to come out. Yes. And yet you kept it together. I, uh, I was talking to a very dear friend of mine on the phone, and he had stated, he said, Susan, you have three children at home who need you. Okay. And if you go into that house, something can happen to you, or you could be charged with something. Um, and he's like, and you don't want to spend the rest of your life in jail away from your children. Good move. So good advice. Very good advice. He said, wait for the police to come mm-hmm. and follow their instructions, and that's what I did. And can you share with us what happened? So uh, the police came. I was ordered to go to the police station, um, as I did. Um, They recovered Jessica. Uh, She was found locked in a bedroom closet. Um, The police officer at the time, unfortunately, didn't know how to interpret or understand the indicators of human trafficking. Um, Instead of her being locked in a closet, he interpreted as her trying to hide from the police. We're just getting we're just getting training. Yes, absolutely. For the police, <clears throat> excuse me, professional training to help them understand. Yes, how absolutely. to make an intervention, and and we just praise God for that. Absolutely. But he didn't have that training. No, he didn't. And there, you know, I I understand that completely. That's it. It's just the nature of the situation. Right. Um, unfortunately, when she was brought back to the police station, they did not believe what she was saying. Um, they did not believe her story. They believed that she was making it up, that she was lying. Um, and I asked the head detective, I said, well, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to help my daughter? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, she's just going to do it again anyways. 
He said, just okay, stop. Yes. Freeze frame. Okay. Mother, mother is hearing her daughter being accused of a behavior. Yes. That instead of being a victim, they're assuming this is just who her daughter is. Yes. And so let's go into you. Let's just visit your mind and your heart and your spirit at that moment. It took everything I had to remain calm. And he said, we'll just send her back to school tomorrow like nothing happened. And I said, well, I'm, I'm not going to do that. She's not going back to that school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I disagree with you, and I'm going to find any way to help her. And that's what we tried to do. Okay. Unfortunately. Now, where is she? She's fragile now. So, she is fragile. Okay, so you're seeing her for the first time in the police station. Yes. And what is that reunion like at this point? Because she must know that you know now. She she does. Um, she's she's broken. She's lost about twelve pounds. She's uh, a shadow of a, of the person that I knew even four days ago. She's okay. just a, a, a broken individual. If it, I, I almost compare it to as like a broken bird. She's just broken completely, um, inside and out. And um, our immediate response was we took her to the hospital. Okay. You uh, held her. I did. I held her. I loved and she her. Gave, she gave in to that? She did. Okay. She was uh, emotional, happy to see us. Good, good. And I remember one of the first things I told her is I, I said, I know you needed me to find you. And she's like, you have no idea how much I needed you to find me. Yes. Yes. The beginning. Yes. The beginning. Those words. And, uh. So the hospital was next. The hospital was next. Um, unfortunately, uh, out of fear, she would not allow any testing or anything to take place by the hospital. And since she was over the age of 14 and a half, um, she would not consent. Okay. Um, again, a, a lack of knowledge and education on uh, on the behalf of the hospital. And, and I implored the doctors and the nursing staff. I told them about the situation that we had just gone through, what she had just gone through, Mm -hmm. and I I, I begged for their help. Um, Unfortunately, red tape wouldn't allow that. Yes, 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 yes. Red tape. The other word for that is bureaucracy, right? Yes. Okay. How you doing? You doing okay? I'm doing wonderful. Okay, good. Let's let's take the next step then. Uh, You take her home? I take her home. We bring her home. Um, I start, I take her to her our local pediatrician, mm-hmm. counselors, therapists. Um, uh, one therapist even accused her of lying again. Um, so there, at that time, uh, six years ago, their human trafficking was just a blip on the radar. Yes, it was. Yes, there it was. There was not much information, mm-hmm. where to go, who to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't have a lot of options. We didn't have a lot of resources available to us Um, and I felt very lost and very frustrated that uh, out of all that we have here in the United States that I couldn't get my daughter help for the situation that I know that she had just been through and what I um, I know you know the person I interviewed um, three weeks ago former policeman mr. Bill Wolf yes who has taken this on as a passion Yes. Actually, starting a nonprofit, but we talked a bit about uh, steps taken with uh, institutionalizing understanding of mm-hmm. what this is, and what I have been thinking about 
uh, a lot in this in this whole space is police, uh, healthcare, allied health, etc. To not know what to do mm-hmm. is powerless. And I think sometimes I know in other situations I react or I have a tendency to react in a way that is not sensitive. Yes, because. I don't know how to be vulnerable at that point in time. Now I'm learning as I become more seasoned to say, you know, I really don't know what to do, but I'm here. Yes. That's that's all I know. That's all you know. But I think we're we're making baby steps. Absolutely, we are, yes. But I just, oh, my heart goes out to you on that, well, of course it goes out to Jessica, but mothers are not supposed to have to do this for their babies. No. They're not supposed to. Okay, so um, here we have a system that can't really help you. Mm-hmm. So how did you move forward? What what were the steps? What did what did you do? Well, actually, we we didn't move forward at that time. She was um, on Mother's Day. A few months after that, mm-hmm. she the gang members came to our house a second time and held her at gunpoint and told her that if she did not come with them immediately, they would kill her family and her and take her younger sister instead. So fearing for her family's life, she went with them again. Was she, she was home alone when they No, came? it was it was early uh, Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, about 4, 35 o'clock in the morning. So the babies didn't witness this? No. You didn't witness? We, we were all asleep at the okay. time. Yes. Okay. And my only indication of what, what had happened was our young neighbor was just getting off of the night shift ah. at the hospital. And he came pounding on our door, Mrs. Young, Mrs. Young, they have your daughter again. Mm. And I ran out of the house in my pajamas. I ran down the street screaming her name the entire way, crying, tears streaming down my face. And I got to the end of the street, and they were gone. Mm. And she was gone a second time. Mm-hmm. And this time she was missing for 10 days. But she was recovered by Detective Bill Wolf. Ah. Yes. He didn't tell me that. He didn't yes. tell me he was the one. Yes. Oh she was being sold to an out-of-state gang member for $2,000. And he intercepted the transaction. And she was brought home again. And Okay, so she's home. I know that every day you don't know when it's going to be scene two, scene three, scene four. Yes. How do you do? How do you make it? How, how does the family? I think you go into survival mode at that point. It's, it's your basic instinct to just stay alive and to keep your family alive. And for me and for my husband, um, it was to, to keep our family safe. And we were able to get Jessica to a safe location. Okay, good, um, good, good. Where, where no one knew where she was. Um, and then came the hard task of protecting the rest of the family because they, they, were, they were angry. They wanted to retaliate against us because Jessica didn't come home. Um, so we, we re- relocated. We moved our family to a safe location. Okay. Um, and then became the hard part of healing the family. Yes, healing. Oh my gosh, healing. How do you spell healing in those circumstances? So, how many years has it been since 
you moved to a safe place. It has been five years since we moved to a safe place. And the seasons have been what as you, I know it was a journey. Yes. It was not safe place, so we're all okay. No, no. What are some of the things that the family experienced? Shortly after we moved, um, the, the boys felt safe enough to really kind of um, share with us their, the trauma that they had endured and what their experience in this whole situation. Once they felt safe, they felt like they could trust us with that information. So they started to divulge that information. Um, and same with our, our youngest daughter. Um, it's really been a, a season of healing. Mm -hmm. um, and my husband and I knew that our, our first question we asked ourselves, and we still ask ourselves this every day, how do you heal and put back together four little souls? And that has been our, our task for the past five years of, of how do we put our family back together and, and how do we heal them? Um, and, and trust me, so many times my husband and I, we, we just wanted to crack and we wanted to break and we wanted to just fall to pieces. But we both knew that if we did, our family would never recover. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we couldn't allow that for our children. And so we allowed them to break mm -hmm. over and over and mm -hmm. over again. And when they did, we picked them back up. Mm -hmm. And we would stand them up. And, you know, once they learned to stand, they learned to walk. Mm -hmm. And now they're, um, they're getting into a place where everyone in our family has triggers. Certain, yes, yes, I can imagine. Different yes. triggers. Yes. Um, and we try to, to acknowledge each other's triggers and, and really respect them. Mm -hmm. um, what's different for me is, is different from my son, which is different from my husband. Absolutely. And so we, we talk about that. We understand that. Um, but it's, it's really just been a season of healing. And, you know, some days are, are harder than others. I'm thinking as, as I'm listening to you that each and every one of you uh, probably has PTSD. Yes. And uh, something you were saying, uh, and you I think you said it several times, putting us back together. And one of the things I had to learn in a very traumatic family situation was you have to go through. Yes. It's the other side of through. Mm -hmm. Going back, when we use the word, the language back, that means we know what was back. Yeah. So what we want to do is love and heal through the season and um, you don't know and you won't know for a long time how this gets translated yes. into strength and behaviors mm -hmm. for the rest of the children and for you and your husband. Yes. Um, I cannot even imagine uh, feeling powerless and married. I can see myself being angry yes. with my spouse, you know, because I have no one else I can be angry with. Mm -hmm. Did you have any of that going on? We did. Um, more or less, it was just the task of just day-to-day -day survival mm -hmm. of the children. And it, 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 most days, it felt, like every st it felt like every day I was standing on a frozen pond. Okay. And every step I would take, no matter which direction that was, I could see and feel mm. the ice cracking. And, and at any moment, our family was going to fall through and shatter. And it was it was trying to balance, 
because what each child what they needed was different from one another right right and trying to figure out which individual needed was you know one therapy one uh, didn't need therapy it was just trying to find the daily balance of what right. worked for everyone and what everybody needed and then you know trying to be the one to give that to everybody while we are trying to heal ourselves as both as individuals and as a as husband and wife which was it was very difficult and you know there are some days where I would break on him and there's other yes, days where yes. he would break on me and and you know, that's okay and that's okay we had to allow that yes and um there there is no perfect no recovery no uh what I what I uh think about particularly when I'm doing life skill coaching is uh, the courage to make the next step. Yes. Uh, Got to keep making the next step. Yeah. Got to keep moving. Uh, mm, I, <laughs> wow, I ask you to do something, and I feel horrible because you've done so much. But as I ask um, each of my guests uh, to spend some time alone and write a letter to their younger self. And of course, I asked this of Susan. And before she does that, I want her to, to share with you something she shared with me before we began. Um, it, was, it was different and difficult, right, Susan? It was, it was, it was very, I think this is one of the hardest tasks I've, I've been asked to do. And, and it had to be me, right? <laughs> And I, I, and I really, w I, I, I took this uh, personal and I took it to heart. Good. And um, I, I prayed about it and uh, I, I talked to my husband about it. And, um, and it, it was really difficult how to approach this. Because um, for me, every step of my life got me to where I am here, here today. Yes, it and, did. And writing a letter to my younger self and even explaining even a small portion of what I would have to endure mm -hmm. later on in life, I think would influence um, my situation. Um, and so it was really hard for me to, to write that. But here's the thing, you did it. I did it. You go, girl. Yes. So in, in my letter, I, I write, um, Dear Younger Susan, I know you will experience uh, a difficult time later on in life, and I know that you will have triumphs and challenges. And life will take you on an, an incredible journey that you will never foresee happening but you will get through. Your strength will lead your family through. Your courage and your dedication to everyone that you love will eventually get you to the place that you've fought your whole life to be. And so in my letter, I put two songs, the lyrics to two songs that really helped me um, throughout my life um, and one of those is the Josh Groban you are loved yes and the other is Leanne Womack I ho uh, hope you dance mm -hmm. 
And there are times, even throughout this situation, where just knowing that I was loved got me through. And that sometimes you just have to dance to get through life. Well, guess what? I'm sitting here and uh, my heart isn't smiling. It's reaching out across the table to this woman who uh, has given us so much. And I'm so grateful. Uh, I told Susan before we started, if there's just one person locally, nationally, or internationally that heard her story, that has been enlightened and perhaps sees through a different lens and can make an intervention to help her child, then this has been worth it. It has. And uh, Susan, thank you. Thank you for having me, Tyra. So much. I'm going to, um, hmm, I'm going to let Mr. Beethoven take us home. You've been listening to Frankly Speaking with Tyra G on Radio Fairfax. Your seat is guaranteed. I look forward to next time. You take care. Know you're loved. Bye now.